0: Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Well, good morning. It's good to be back with you. I was here a few months ago. I hope most of you were here for that. Uh, thanks to CJ and the team for leaving this morning in that time of worship Thanks for this couple here in Uganda who serves. I don't know them personally, but uh, it's amazing to hear what God is doing in that tough place. Hey, good to be back with you today uh, and good to get to spend time as we talk about how you guys are helping support exactly what you saw this couple here on the video talking about, which is getting the gospel to unreached places. So, This morning, uh, we're going to spend a little time together in God's Word, and I want to talk to you about what it is we actually do. So let's go back a few months. When I was here last, we talked about Psalm 67. So if you weren't here, that's okay. I'm going to review it. But if you were here, uh, I hope you remember what we talked about. So uh, today we're going to be talking about reaching no place left. We're going to talk about how does that look practically for you guys here, and then what is it that we do. So one of the things I want to talk about is... You know, as you guys support us and as you guys give of your prayers and your, your offerings and just come alongside of us, what is it actually we're doing? Uh, better yet, you could say, what is the bang you're getting for your buck when you give your hard-earned money to the International Mission Board and how do we take the gospel to the ends of the earth? I'm going to tell you uh, sort of a view inside the cur- behind the curtain of kind of how do we do that? What does it actually look like day-to-day in the life of someone who's sent out to the nations and how do we do that? And I hope you're going to you're gonna discover it's not just what we do there, but really I think there's a blueprint in scripture for what you guys do here. So having said that, let me show you a picture of my family. If you don't know, um, my wife and I have been serving overseas, us and our four kids for over a decade now. Uh, Two of my kids were born overseas. That's our beautiful family there. Uh, They're worshiping at Fletcher, our home church. We've not been around for a while now and they wanted to go to our home church there just on the other side of town. And then uh, we serve in an area of South Asia that is almost exclusively Muslim. So if you look at the next picture, you'll see just a couple of scenes uh, from what we experience on a day-to-day basis. So I was excited to hear them talk about their ministering in a Muslim context because that's very close to our heart as well. Uh, so you can see a picture there on the left of just some, a few people on a train uh, riding around. Uh, just, you know, no big deal. Day in, day in life of South Asia. And then a scene of uh, the street right near our house where the closest mosque is, and these guys out in the middle of the street uh, worshiping a false god. So uh, this is the context in which we live. All right, so let's review what I talked about in Psalm 67, all right? So if we flip to the next slide, I think it's there, yep. So we talked about what is missions, right? And I explained to you like what actually is missions, all right? And here's what we came up with, right? Missions is spreading the knowledge of the glory of God everywhere, right? That's what missions is. Like We desire to see God glorified everywhere and in every people group, and every nation, and tribe, and people, and language. So we, missions is spreading his glory. And then why do we do missions? What's the motivation for why? Well, as we talked about, and I hope in your life you get this, is we do missions because God deserves to be worshiped. He deserves to be praised throughout his word, and all that he's done in your life, even right now, today, what I hope he's doing in your life, praising him, as we did with the music today. He deserves our praise. And then what are we gonna do in response to that, right? If, if missions is spreading God's glory everywhere and if he deserves to be praised, then how are you gonna personally do that? The first thing we talked about is you must be praising him, right? And we talked about the way to first do that is to give your life to him, that he is our king and we serve him by giving our life to him and our desires become his desires and our will becomes his will and everything we do is about bringing him glory by magnifying him in everything we do, the work of our hands and the thoughts of our heart and the attitudes of our heart are all focused on bringing him glory. And then we talked about there are places in the world where there's not his glory being said, right? In those two pictures I I showed you, I mean, there are men and women all across this world, billions in fact, who are not worshiping this God who we know. And so in order to spread his glory, we must go. And that's what we're gonna talk a little bit about today. All right, so the what of missions, the why of missions, what are you doing? I hope you're worshiping him. If you're not this morning, if you've never given Jesus your life, come see me or one of the leaders around this church after the service. Man, we will get you in a relationship with Jesus and we'll start that. But I'm hoping that you guys all know Jesus today. and We're going to focus on how we can better serve him. All right. So we're going to dig in the word today and I'm going to give you some practical stuff. Now, How does Eastern Heights Baptist Church actually do missions? How do you do this? Well, we're going to talk about that. And actually, here's the cool thing. I don't know if there's many more passages that are more practical, that if you take Eastern Heights and you just insert their name in some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today, this is you. This is your church in the Word of God. It's describing what Eastern Heights is capable of doing. So it's really cool. All right, now... um, So we're also going to look at what are the steps we do. Like you say, you know, Robbie, what do you do like on a daily basis? What is, what do you go to this place in South Asia, this dark place where like everybody's lost and most of them are Muslim and there's a few Hindus in there. Like what do you actually do? Well, I'm going to show you from the word where we get our marching orders and what it is we actually do. All right. So let me pray and then we'll jump into it. So, Father, I thank you for this, this wonderful opportunity to be here with these great folks at Eastern Heights. We're so grateful and so thankful for their church, for the way that they support and send and walk alongside us in this journey, Lord, even today as, as they endeavor to see this place of Statesburn and in Bullock County reach for the gospel, Father, as we partner together arm in arm, linking arms to go to the nations, Father. I thank you for them. And Lord, would you open our hearts to the word you want to speak to us today, Father, as we... Meditate on your word, Lord, as we see it, uh, just discover new things about your character and new things about who you are, Father. I pray that it would lead to, to renewed action, a renewed spirit of, of how we can serve you more and how we can bring you glory. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So what is this? So we're going to talk about, you know, this idea of no place left, right? So, the, so I've titled it Reaching No Place Left. Well, what does no place left mean? Well, no place left is kind of the the word we use to describe what our ultimate goal is for mission. And that is to get the gospel everywhere so that there's no place left where Jesus isn't worshipped. There's no hidden tribe down in the Amazon or there's no unreached people group in some island in the South Pacific where people don't know the name of Jesus and aren't worshipping him. We want to get to that vision, right? This vision we see of a great multitude. I read it a few months ago in Revelation 7-9 of every nation and tribe and people and language knowing and worshiping the Lord. So no place left is our idea of getting to the unreached places, going where Christ isn't being worshiped. In Romans 15, Paul says this, my, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. Right, So we go to unreached places where the gospel's not gone, and we do some things, we'll talk about what we do in a minute, until there's no place left. And this is in Romans 15, 23, Paul said, I'm going to Spain because there's nowhere left from Jerusalem to Illyricum where the gospel hasn't gone, where there aren't churches, where there aren't people that are wanting to see God's glory. So no place left is the idea of going to places where the gospel hasn't gone and making sure that they get the gospel. So that's the idea. So how do we get there? How do we get to people groups around the world, over 3,000 that still don't know Jesus? How do we do that? All right, so we're going to talk about it. All right, now, here's the first point. How do we do it? What's the blueprint? Like, okay, you're saying, Robbie, this sounds great. I want to get to all the people groups in the world. How do we do it, right? Here's how we do it. The church. That's how we do it. So that's the big idea today. Eastern Heights, how do we reach no place left? How do we reach these people groups all over the world? It's you. It's this church right here. That's the blueprint God gave in scripture, is the church. That's it. It's the vehicle by which the world's gonna be reached, right? So healthy disciples gathering together about one purpose to bring God glory and going out into all the earth. So you are the vehicle, you Eastern Heights. So this is where we're gonna jump into scripture and see exactly what the Lord wants to do. So, as we get started, I wanna tell you a quick, brief story of the most broad outline you've ever heard of the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts. Very broad outline, I, could, I wish I could tell you more. Listen, here's the, here's the thing. If you've never read the book of Acts, if you've never dug into how the church got started and how the church began to see this vision of people getting reached, And even the reason why some of you are here today, because the church blew up and decided we want to reach the world, the book of Acts kind of describes that for us. And Luke, finishing his narrative about the Lord's life, gives us this picture and insight on how it works. So I'm going to give you a quick overview of the book of Acts, and then we're going to dig into the text in 13 and 14 of Acts, all right? So great family Bible study, guys. If you want to study a cool thing and see, like, how does the Bible work, Acts is a great place because it's very practical, and you can put yourself right in the middle of some of these stories, all right? Except for, like, the ones where the, uh, the deacon... Stephen gets killed or Paul gets stoned, places like that. You may not want to put yourself, but I can tell you where we live, 100% the book of Acts happens right in front of our eyes. So, okay, so you can go to the next slide. We're going to look at just a a brief overview of the church of Acts from humble beginnings. All right, so here's the outline. All right, so you remember, I'm just going to assume you've read, read Acts, but I'm going to assume you don't remember everything. So You'll remember the first part of Acts, Luke continues. Luke wrote Acts right after he wrote Luke. And he continues where the Lord has risen and he's going to come and he's going to give his disciples sort of this one last, last thing in Acts 1.8. And he says... You when the, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So that's Acts one eight and he kind of gives them this blueprint, right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So sort of these concentric circles outward. All right. So one through eight of Acts again, very broad. I, I mean, totally, totally too broad. There's so much cool things happening, but Acts one through eight is essentially the gospel going to and and infiltrating Jerusalem. And the church starts it, and the church, as I said there, the beginnings of the church. So in Acts one, they're gathering, the Holy Spirit falls in Acts two, right? Okay, I'm not gonna go into all that. The church gets started, and it's amazing. And Jerusalem is changed forever. And people from all over the world are changed forever because the church begins to form. And we see the functions of the church. We see the church beginning to act like we, as a model today, would want to see the church. So if you want to know what the church should look like, read the first few chapters of Acts. You'll see these amazing activities, these amazing things happen. And I would almost challenge you, like, hey, is this what Eastern Heights is right now? Is this what Eastern Heights is doing, okay? All right, that's for another day. All right, so that's 1 through 8. So 2 through 7, you see, again, Jerusalem, the incubator, and the further, the church just getting growing and again incubating like them figuring out like how do we deal with the fact that there needs to be more leaders in the church because the widows are not getting the proper food allocations right so we got this idea of deacons right not just elders and pastors and the disciples but then we get this idea of deacons right we get this amazing setup of people loving each other and selling their property okay again it's so exciting but I don't have time so that's two through seven right Jerusalem the church getting set up man it's amazing please go read it could you And then Acts 8 through 12 is the church going to Samaria, right? So these guys aren't content with just the gospel in Jerusalem. They begin to get sent out, but they're not just sent. They're also having to leave because of persecution, right? Because remember, when the gospel begins to change our lives, the enemy doesn't like that. And so we see this persecution happen, and that scatters a lot of these new believers. But it's God's plan, right? Because they get to then go to Samaria and to the rest of Judea. So we have these these disciples of Jesus who have this idea of church, and they get scattered. And so 8 through 12 is kind of the gospel going to Samaria and Judea because of the scattering and persecution, right? That's where we have the conversion of Paul or Saul to Paul and these kind of things, okay? So... We get the gospel and then we get this idea, it's not just for Jews, right? We get this idea where Peter sees this crazy vision, and we have this this idea that the gospel's not just for the Jews. And we see in Acts 11, the church begins to form with Greeks and Jews, and they're kind of mixing together. It's like people from different backgrounds. And suddenly we see this vision that God's had all along of not just the Jews being his chosen people, but anyone who's in Christ is God's chosen people. And the promise given to Abraham in Genesis 12 isn't just for the Jewish people. We could talk all day about that and what's going on over there right now, but it's for all of God's chosen people because, as Paul said, we've been grafted in. So all of God's people worshiping together, that's the picture we begin to see in Acts like 10, 11, and 12. All right? You with me? Man, I, gosh, okay. This is so cool. So then we get to Acts 13, and if you have your Bibles, open them up. We're going to just dive right into a couple of verses in Acts 13 and a few in verse 14. All right? Now, here's the thing. There's parts of the Bible that I want you to picture yourself in. Like, this is me. The Bible speaks, even though it was written 2,000 years ago, it speaks so perfectly and so distinctly to us today. It's incredible. Okay, that's what he says. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, right? That's Hebrews 4, 12, where he says that. So I want you to see the activity of God's word today, even in the life of this church. Can you do that? Just like overlay the church at Eastern Heights right here. Okay. So let's look at verse 13. Uh, Let's see. Okay, so let's see what the next slide is. Is it it the verses? Okay, so we're gonna read Acts 13, one through three. Um, So again, the gospels come from Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and now we're gonna see it start to go to the rest of the world, okay? So here's the church in Antioch, Acts 13, one through three. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off." Now, this is incredible. And you're probably not as excited as I am, but man, I hope you are excited because this is amazing. So this is the church being the church. You see it being made up of people from different backgrounds. They've got rhythms of worship and praying and fasting, right? This is what the church of God does when they meet together, when they're all in one accord, and they're listening to God. They're listening, what are you speaking to us, God? How can we serve you, all right? And so this is what God does. He speaks and says, hey... Set apart Paul and Barnabas, okay, for a work that's different than what you're doing right now. For a new work, a work that you've, you've got but you kinda need to, need to lay into, which is to be sent. So they pray over them and they lay their hands on them and they send them off. Now, it seems very simple, right? Three verses, like some guys were gathered together, they're praying, they're hearing from the Lord and they just pray for these people and they send them out the door. Seems very simple but very strategic because this is the beginning of how we get to No Place Left, the church sending. So that should be on your slides, and sorry I didn't get the handout to Brother Tim fast enough. So if you got your notes, please take notes. I know you're used to fill-ins, but just scribble it somewhere. So how do we get to No Place Left? The church sending. The church sending people out. The church supporting and sending people out. This is how we get to No Place Left. Remember, the church is the vehicle by which the Lord wants to reach the peoples of the world. And so the church has to be the one sending. All right. And where are they, where are we sending them? We're sending them to unreached places, as we'll see in a minute. We're sending them to places where the gospel hasn't gone. That's why we want to see people being sent to all four corners of the world, is because we want to see people who've never heard the gospel before to hear the gospel. Now, here's the cool thing: this is a story about Eastern Heights. If I can tell you nothing else today that you remember, it's this. This is you. Why? Because you are our Antioch. You are doing this. So when you pray for missionaries, when you pray for God's people that have been sent out, when you give your money to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and your church gives to the cooperative program, you are supporting families like ours that are over there. You are essentially saying, we have sent you out and here we are behind you. So this is a description about Eastern Heights. And this is it, this is the church, like Eastern Heights, embracing the idea of sending. When you're praying and you're giving and you're, uh, you're supporting these people like us who are called to go. And so even when we sit in our living room on a morning where we've had a terrible day or, and we're just like, Lord are you still here? We know that churches like you are active in supporting and sending us and we are so grateful. So look at this, look at this in the text. We see five names. Now, if you back up two chapters to chapter 11, where we see the church in Antioch, which by the way, was the first place they were called Christians, you'll see in chapter 11 that there's a diverse background of people and there's more than just five people there, but we have five names here. Now, here's an important thing I want to point out for you guys sitting here this morning. There are five names listed, okay, but only two were sent out. And so what we see here is that the, the two guys were sent out, and they're like crazy, and they're going to go to some far-off place. But hey, guess what? Those people who stayed, they had a job too. It wasn't just like to write a check and be done. No, why? Because we see the church in Antioch who was worshiping, and they were together, and they were reaching their own people, and they were reaching new people. So God has a privilege. I mean, God has a journey, a, an idea for you, and it's a privilege for you who aren't sent To stay here and reach this area. To stay here and be the healthy church he has to be the bride of Christ here. And I want to encourage you because not everybody is sent out. But hey, that doesn't give you the right to not have the responsibility of being the healthy church here. So can you see this? That whether or not you're sitting here today and you feel like you're sent to to the nations, you have a responsibility and that is to be a healthy church here. To be doing what the body of Christ is doing in the book of Acts here in Statesboro. Do you see this? So I wanna, I wanna encourage you, not everybody's sent, but everybody's called to be a healthy disciple of Jesus, to be in the church, all right? So this is the church. The, the, we get to no place left through the church sending. So they lay hands on Paul and Barnabas and they send them out. All right, that's the first thing, the church sending. Now, check this picture out. Just want to show you a a picture to tie in with our work. This is a picture of Neil and his family. Neil's obviously not his real name. And they're heading out to a brand new area to do exactly what we're gonna talk about in a minute. So this is Neil and his family being sent by a church in South Asia to go to another South Asian community. This is a family going and being sent out to go and do this work. So these are the kind of people that we have the privilege of working with, that when you think about sent out ones, this is a family that should come to mind. So church, you are sending, and this South Asian church is sending. All right, so Acts 13, 1 through 3, really short, right? They're praying together. Two of these five guys are sent out. We got guys staying back in Antioch. They're working hard. We got Paul and Barnabas. They're going to be working hard as you, if you keep reading. And then we're going we're gonna to jump to the very end. So they go on what we generally call the first missionary journey, all right? So the rest of 13 and the rest of 14 they begin on, to embark on a journey and they go to several different places. And man, I wish we had time, but we would look at some of these places and the strategy that they employed. They take a young guy named Mark who eventually would write the book of Mark, right? Named John Mark. They take him, a young guy, they're mentoring him, kind of like Nikki's doing with CJ and some of, the, some of you guys that are mentoring young people, right? They go, go all this. They go to all these different places, right? And we begin to see this pattern in Acts 13. Hey, they preach a, a, Paul preaches a sermon at Antioch Pisidia in chapter 13. It was like one of the best sermons in all of Scripture. It's incredible. Go read it tonight. Do, your, do some homework and look at it. But we see this pattern begin to emerge where they go to places that need the gospel and they preach the gospel. Now, unfortunately, they also see persecution, right? So you'll see here, like, there's all this persecution that happens, right? Right. Um, They're persecuted. The people start following him around to persecute him, right? Paul's stoned, right? Right in the few verses before, we're gonna read in a second. Paul gets stoned and they think he's dead, but then he gets up and goes back to the place where he's stoned, right? So it's incredible to see this pattern of preaching the gospel, gospel response, leads to persecution, believers grow, and the church grows, all right? It's amazing. So go home and study it tonight, Acts 13, 14, first missionary journey. But today... I wanna take a little more time and focus on the end of chapter 14 and just a couple of the verses we see that really serves as a blueprint for what we see the Lord doing to raise up his church in the first century, all right? So we're gonna look at verses 22 through 28 of chapter 14. So again, we start the journey, we're gonna kind of skip the middle and we're gonna bookend it by the, the, the seeing sort of the very end of this journey, all right? Because we just don't have time. But man, please go read it, it's incredible. All right, so we're going to see a, a pattern, a strategy of how Paul and his teams, really from here to the, to the very end of the third journey in, in Acts chapter 20, kind of how this, this pattern of ministry emerges for them and really how we see ministry and missions going in the world even today. All right, so it's pretty, pretty cool stuff. Okay, so I want to um, jump to verse 21 of, of chapter 14 of Acts. All right, so remember, all the stuff between is for you to do homework tonight. Or this week. All right, go read the rest of this journey and see it. Check it out. Um, Hey, can I just say this off the cuff real quick? So if you look at the sermon that he preaches to Antioch Pisidia, he's preaching to Jews who have an idea of Christianity a little bit. They have an idea of all the stuff that's happened and kind of they have this background of, of being Jews. So they have all these Old Testament stories that they believe and they understand, right? So it's kind of like preaching the gospel here in a place like Bullock County where generally most people have some idea of the Bible and some idea of these stories. So read it and see like, hey, this is cool. He's tying in all this stuff they already knew with this new thing about Jesus, right? It might be a cool way to think about sharing the gospel here in your context, but that's specific the point. I just love seeing the example of how the gospel is being shared in the New Testament and applying it to how we might share the gospel here today. All right so let's look at verse Acts 14 21 through we're going to read 21 just to start. So they go on this journey right and they go to these places there's some persecution and so we're going to pick up right after Paul's been stoned and he's going to get up they're going to go back in and they're going to leave that city and here's what they do in verse 21 uh 21. So when they had preached the gospel in that city and had made many disciples, this is, the, this is Derby where he was stoned, they returned to Lystra, okay, back through to Iconium and to Antioch. So three of the places they'd been, they're going to return back to, right? So you'll see the pattern start to emerge in 21. They preached the gospel to that city and what? Made many disciples, Okay, that's a great commission, right? Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, right? Matthew 28, 19 through 20. So then we see in verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So here's the pattern that begins to emerge. They go to a place, all right, They share share the gospel, they preach the good news of Jesus. Okay, so that's the first point. So you can go to the next slide. They preach the gospel and made many disciples. So the first uh, pattern of Paul and his team is they go to unreached places. So they went to places where the gospel needed to go. And that's the first step, okay, so they go. So they went to to Cyprus, Barnabas' hometown first got the gospel going there. Then they go to Antioch, Pisidia, not the same Antioch they were sent from. Then they go to Lystra, then they go to Derby, and then they go to Iconium, and they go to all these places, all right? So that's the first point, is to go. So next slide, I think, has it, has it on there, yep. Okay, so how do we get to no place left? The first thing is we go to unreached places. This is the pattern. In our world, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out where does the gospel need to go? And where has it gone? And one of the things we're very passionate about, and one of the things I hope that you're passionate about sending us to do, is to go to places where the gospel needs to go. There's a people group in South Asia where we serve that has over 800,000 people. And among them, we know of no believers and no churches. 800,000 people. They speak a unique language. They they worship a different God, and they do not have the gospel. 800,000 people. That's the kind of people we wanna to go to, because we wanna bring them the hope and the peace that Christ brings. But can you imagine 800,000 people, just in case you are checking, like, that's like the population of Savannah. Not a single believer. So that's where we wanna go. So we go to unreached places. Now, here's the thing. Those people, they aren't just gonna to happen to find a church over there where they are. The people out here in Statesboro who aren't in a church this morning, who are still, fussing about whatever college football game or whatever team they worship on Saturday nights. They're not gonna walk in here. I love you guys, but can I tell you, as great as this place is and as awesome and nice as you are and as amazing as your your setup here is, they're not gonna come here. You gotta go to them. All right, second, what do we see? The pattern here. They preach the gospel. Hey, they're not there. I love you guys. Can I tell you I love you? They're not there to start orphanages. They're not there to build hospitals because hospitals only make physically sick people well. They don't make spiritually dead people alive like the gospel. So they're there to preach the gospel and they preach it. And so this second step is tell. They tell. So they go and they tell. What do they tell? They tell the gospel. They tell the good news. The life saving, dead men rising news of Jesus. They preach Christ and him crucified. That's what Paul said. They proclaim the good news. So first step, they go. Second step is tell. Now look at this. Look at what it says. It says, after they had made many disciples, verse 21, they'd made many disciples. Then it says, the next step is, they return to these places, strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue on in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. That's discipleship, right? They're in the word with these people growing together. So that's the, second, the third step, right? So we go to unreached places, we tell the gospel, we, we tell them the good news, and then they grow. We enter into discipleship relationships in which we grow in our faith together. Got it? So we're going to grow in our faith. How? Look, at it just gives us a blueprint. Strengthening the souls, encouraging them, continuing on the faith, saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. This is a blueprint for discipleship here, right? And isn't that how we are in our lives, right? You've got tribulations. You've got troubles. And we encourage one another. Hey, God's with you. God's got you. Yes, he's going to allow trouble in your life, but he is with you and you're going to get through it. This is discipleship. So these are the first three steps. When we go to a new place, when we go to a new city, when we are sent out by churches like Eastern Heights, this is the blueprint by which we operate. We spend a lot of time figuring out where are the pockets where the gospel hasn't been gone. And we go there and we learn their language and we begin to share the gospel in a way that they can understand it. And then we begin discipling the local believers but he doesn't finish there. Oh, and let me show you a picture of how that looks in our context. You can go to the next slide. So this is a guy, like I said, there are people groups where there's no believers. This is a Muslim people group where we know of no believers and this may be the very first believer in this whole group of about 300,000 people that's ever been baptized and there's a picture of it happening. And then on the right, this is a group of women in a village where all the men are out in the fields working or out up in the capital city working and they're all by themselves with their families. But yet there's a woman right here who's going through God's word and making disciples and spending time in the word with these ladies. This is what it looks like in our context. So we keep going. It doesn't stop there, right? Preaching the God, going to unreached places, telling the gospel, growing people in faith, it doesn't stop though, right? Because look what happens. It says in verse 23, Acts 14, 23. He says, they had appointed, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So here's the next step of missions. Here's the next step of what we do. Discipleship isn't the end, right? Paul and Barnabas not content to just be like, be like the, the guys who parachute in and tell everybody how to do it. They set up church, right? Church begins when Christ followers begin to meet and gather together. And so this is how they'd seen it modeled, right? You remember Barnabas was from Antioch, uh, from Cyprus, but he was in Antioch hanging out. And he went to get Paul, brought him to Antioch in Acts 13. They'd seen this pattern of, of, of gathering in the church together. So what do the leader, what are, what are we doing here? We're raising up churches, all right, so we see here where they went, they made disciples, and they formed church. So go to the next slide. In every church, the next slide after that. So the first thing we do to get to no place left, go to unreached places, tell the gospel, people grow in their faith, and what do, what do we call a group where Christians come together to gather? We just call it church. So they're gonna begin to gather together in church. We call it gather, gather in churches. Next, we see what do they do? They appoint local leaders for them in every church. So the next thing we're gonna do is raise up leaders, right? God has called leaders to lead churches. You've got a great one here, a leadership team of great men and women working here. But Nikki is called to shepherd this church. So we raise up leaders, and that's what we see them doing here. So we see them being raised up and then finally, look at what happens at the end of verse 23. They committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. Hey, do you remember when way back in Acts 13, when they went from Antioch, the Antioch church laid hands on them, prayed for them and sent them out. This is exactly what Paul and Barnabas are doing here is they're laying their hands on this church and saying, you've got this. We're going we're to bounce and you've got this. We're out. You've got this. The same thing that happened they'd seen modeled, now they're doing, okay? So the final step here is exit to partnership. Now the whole reason I'm in the U.S. right now is because I can't get a visa to get back into our country where we've lived for the last 10 years. Got some cool updates on that, don't have time to talk about it, but it looks very positive, we'll be getting back. However, the idea here is entrusting this work, entrusting this local church These churches here to the faithful men and women who speak the language better, who understand the context, who aren't going to have visa issues. That's the idea we see here, right? So they're exiting, but they're partnering with them so that local ownership, in other words, so that the local people who God's uniquely gifted to reach that group can stay. That's why, that's why, look at this picture right here. That's why we do this. On the left, this is a church. These guys are meeting. There's a woman right there. They're meeting together. And the leader of this church, this guy right here, he is a local. This was started by someone that came in and did what I talked about, that shared the gospel and that made disciples, and they are now meeting. But the guy that started this is not there. He has turned it over to a local leader who's now leading, and he's gone. Off to other places. And this is what you see here. This is the church we started right next door to where we live. And we started this a couple of years ago. And what you're seeing right now was, about, was a few months ago when God raised up a local leader. And this is the appointment of that leader to lead the church. No more white people. No more foreigners. It's led by locals. Shepherded by a local who's hearing from the Lord. Who's just as capable, if not more so than any of us would be. This is what, this is what happens. So you can see here, we're praying over him and he is being appointed to lead. This is what it looks like. So this church is a very simple but effective pattern for what we see happening here is how we do missions. Next slide, we go to unreached places. We tell the gospel, we grow disciples. We gather together in churches. We raise up faithful men and women, faithful leaders, and then we exit, or in this case, we send. So Eastern Heights, you have sent us with this biblical pattern in mind to go and do exactly what Eastern Heights is doing by sending us to the world to do this. So look at last few verses here. So what do they do next? They've exited, right? And we know they exited well because why? Because we have the book of Galatians about this first journey written to those churches that Paul loved so much. We have the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians that were written to the church in Corinth that Paul helped establish in Acts 18. We have the book of Ephesians from Acts 19 and 20 when Paul established that church. So we have the idea that they're exiting but they're not leaving. They're partnering. All right? Just like now look at this, how does this look for you guys? Again, Eastern Heights, where are you? Here you are, right here. Look at verse 27 and 28. So skip down a little bit, they, they sail back and they arrive back in Antioch where they were sent, right? They come back home, not a jet plane, at that time it would have been a boat. They arrived and gathered the church together and they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. So Paul and Barnabas are sent by Antioch. They do all this amazing stuff, they get some churches started, they appoint local leaders, everything's good, and then they come back and they fellowship with their sending church. Just like we're doing today. Getting to tell you guys all the things that your prayers and your support are doing at the ends of the earth and getting to share that with you. This is the close of that process. As you Eastern Heights have sent, you Eastern Heights have prayed and now we get to share together in all God's doing. This is the culmination of that process where it all began. They returned to sender. They encouraged what God was doing and then finally, look at this. They get refreshed and encouraged. You're that church. We were living in your parsonage where we had nowhere else to go. You were that church encouraging us. So you welcome Sent ones into your midst. This is what you do, Eastern Heights. So here's the final, the final culmination of this process. The church sending, but now we add one more thing to it. If you go to the next slide. Sending to unreached places, but what are they doing? Not just sending, you, Eastern Heights, celebrating, supporting, and hopefully multiplying. Hopefully multiplying as God brings you into this community to multiply yourselves and make disciples here in the Statesburg community. So this is the way we get to no place left. It's the church, it's the church sending. And when those people are sent, and when you're sent in your communities, in your circles, in your friends circles, in your workplace, on campus, a 25,000 person mission field right here, this is what we do to get to no place left. So church, you're sending now. Here's how I want to finish. The band's already coming up. I want to finish with this thought. We're not done. Ten years laboring in a hard place, and I can tell you, we still have work to do. As awesome as that story is of our brothers and sisters in Uganda coming to faith and beginning to, did you hear it? Did you hear him say, we've got a local guy who's sharing his faith with his own people We've got a local pastor now that's pastoring this church. Did you hear that cycle happen in that video just in the two minutes? So here's what I want to challenge you. We still have work to do to get to no place left. So here's what I want to challenge you. Two practical steps today for you, for you Eastern Heights. First, here's the first challenge. I want you to develop an intentional strategy. Hey, I don't want this. I think this is what God wants. I just wanna see it because, man, it's cool to think about. Can you imagine? Develop an intentional strategy for the unreached. Hey, do you know, Georgia Southern has the highest enrollment ever right now. I think it's around 25,000. That's a pretty big mission field. I just got the stats for how many different nationalities are represented there. Man, the unreached are coming to Statesboro. Hey, you think this Hyundai plant is big news economically? I think it's big news because God's going to continue to bring people who need the gospel here to Bullitt County. So, hey, Eastern Heights, man, would you, would you work with us to develop a strategy here for how to reach the unreached, for how to get the people in your communities? And, hey, guess what? Me or Nikki, we, can't, we don't know the people you know. I told you this before when I was here. Man, I don't, I don't work at Sally Z, but Tim does. He's got a whole mission field right there. So hey, developing a strategy for the unreached. And second, hey, here's the more important question today. It's not more important, but here's what's close to my heart and I just wanna ask you. I wanna ask you, are you sending Eastern Heights? You are. You're giving to Lottie Moon right today. You're supporting our work 100%. Are you cultivating a sending culture here? Hey, young people, God might be sending you. And this church, are you ready to come alongside one of your youth? One of your college students, one of your young adults and say, God's sending you, we're behind you. You wanna go to a hard place? Great, we're gonna go there with you by prayer and support. And then hey, here's the thing. 12 years ago, we were sitting over at Fletcher on the other side of town and God said, it's time. It's time to get up out of the pew and it's time to go. Maybe somebody in here today, you've thought, hey, I'm I'm ready to go. I need to go. This is what God wants for me. So, Eastern Heights, are you sending? And Eastern Heights, hey, are you going? Maybe there's someone here, even this morning, that's always said, I think God has somewhere else for me to go and be sent to. Eastern Heights, are you ready for that? And if that's you this morning, I pray, I'll I'll write you a job tomorrow and get you in South Asia. I'll get you anywhere in the world you wanna go. We want to see more labors for the harvest. So if that's you this morning, I pray, come see me, come see CJ or someone else. We would love to talk. What is God doing in your heart? But Eastern Heights, hey, here's the thing. The only way we're gonna get the gospel to this world is if you continue to partner with us. And I know you're doing that. And I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful. But as the Lord leads your church to continue sending, might there be some of you who are also willing to go? So I wanna challenge you. Are you sending and are you going? Are you ready to be sent? If you're ready to be sent, I'll be down here in the front. Come see me, we'll pray together, we'll figure it out. Whatever God's leading guys to do, man, thank you for giving me the time to be here. Let's worship the Lord together. And I just wanna one more time thank you. Everything you're doing by your prayers and your giving are seeing people come to faith. I wake up almost every morning With a new picture of someone else taking the plunge, man. Isn't that awesome? God is calling people around his throne to worship. And I am so grateful that you're such a part of that, guys. We love you and we thank you for your giving and your support. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.